live in a world that struggles with feeling busy and overwhelmed. At the same time, us mamas want to feel we're living intentionally and with purpose. At the end of the day, you won't have to sit worn out on the couch feeling like it all just wasn't enough. Here, you'll find the tools to slow it down, nurture your own goals, and live restored. Each week, we have real-life conversations about motherhood, work, relationships, and all the things in between. I'm your host, Jen Brazil. Welcome to the Unhurried Life Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Unhurried Life Podcast, Episode 9. I was totally taking notes from Crystal Stein during our chat. She is so unbelievably wise and tends to hit the nail on the head with so many common issues us mamas are facing when it comes to freedom from shame and guilt. Crystal is a mom of one, sweet girl, an author, a speaker, and lives in the Northeast. I must say I'm very jealous of their fall, but maybe not so much the winter. As the new year is literally around the corner, Crystal shares so many helpful applications to creating a fresh new outlook on life and purpose. I'm so excited for you to join in. Well, first, I am just so excited that we're talking. I know. This is fun. I love doing podcasts. So thank you for inviting me. Of course. Let's see. First, tell me about your book because I love the name, Holy Hustle. Yeah, I am kind of obsessed with the title, too. It's been really fun. So it was a topic that I'd been talking about and writing about for a couple years and just came out of a season of just real failure. Like things did not go the way that I had planned in my head. I'm so on the Enneagram, I'm a three wing four. So, you know, I had the whole thing planned. So I knew exactly what it was going to be like. I knew like all the career steps and it didn't work out the way that I'd hoped. And I was really struggling because I knew I loved work and I loved being able to support my family and to be able to use the gifts that God had given me. But I was struggling to find that balance of, am I allowed to love work? and be a Christian and take care of my family. Like, am I allowed to have all these ands in my life, right? And so it was during a message series at our church, actually, and we were talking about Ruth, and I was like, I know this story. Like, I'm skipping ahead, (laughs) as one does. But, you know, it got to the point where, you know, just looking at how Ruth worked to provide for Naomi and to provide for her family and the way that God honored that and put her in positions where he was able to, you know, accomplish his will through her life, through the work that she was doing out in the fields, nothing glamorous, nothing fancy, just being obedient. And, you know, it really struck me that God gives us so many examples of this balance of work and rest and faith and action right throughout the Bible that there had to be something there. The more I dug into it, the more I saw this model that God was giving us, you know, even in Genesis with creation, how he modeled his creativity and work. And then at the end of each day, he rested, but that also at the end of it all, he rested. And it struck me that God doesn't need to take time off. He doesn't need to rest, but he's so gracious in knowing where we would go without his example, that he put this model of rest in with work so that we wouldn't skip over it, that it would be this both and that we could work and rest and we could serve people and we could, you know, use the gifts he's given us and love our families and love our neighbors. And it was just really special to me to realize that 
God has created all of us so uniquely to serve him and his kingdom and to grow his kingdom through the gifts and talents he's given us in so many different ways that we can start to embrace that and work without shame and we can rest without guilt. And that's where this idea of holy hustle really came from. Okay, so tell me the secret to resting without guilt. Because <laughs> as a mom, you know, you take a few minutes and close yourself in your room while your mm-hmm. kids are screaming at your door and you can't help but feel a little bit guilty. It is hard. I think that we, especially in the United States, live in a culture where rest is not something that is um honored. And so the guilt comes with that. So everything that we see, all the people who are successful or people we follow on social media who are doing big things, the amazing things, they're all being rewarded for hustling and the like work 24 seven, you know, go nonstop kind of way. And other countries embrace rest there. You know, there's countries that they shut down in the afternoon. So everybody can rest. And You know, there are countries in the world where, you know, they encourage like several weeks of holiday, right, to go on vacation with your family and rest. And that is just not the culture in the United States that we live in, where, you know, work is honored, but rest is not. Rest is lazy or it's escaping or it's, you know, missing out on an opportunity. And we feel like we have to rush through rest. And that's not the point. And you know, it's really been that understanding that, especially coming from a place of, you know, a Christian perspective, that being in the world, but not of it, there's a lot of things that we do that are different or look a little bit weird to the people around us who maybe don't have the same faith background. And I just kind of embrace being a little bit weird for Jesus. And if that looks like not feeling guilty because I need to rest or that my rest looks different from somebody else's, then I can, as long as I know that what I'm doing is in line with God's will for my life and that I'm honoring him and I'm honoring the people that he's put in my life, then I don't really need to worry about feeling guilty about missing out on anything or that I'm going to, you know, mess up his plan or mess up my daughter because I don't spend every waking minute with her. Right. You know, it's really understanding that, you know, if it was good enough for God to be able to model work and rest and he rested, then why do I think I'm better than that, that I don't need it? And that was really a wake up call for me that I was pushing through and trying to strive and make things happen. And I wasn't trying to build a life that modeled Jesus. I was trying to build a life that promoted myself. And understanding too that God created me in a really specific way to be creative and to work and to do certain things that, you know, there's nobody else on the planet who can do what each of us do in the way that God created us to do it. And, you know, to look at the way that I rest as something that can also be unique and different. So rest for me often looks different because I spend most of my time in front of a computer by myself, not really interacting with anybody, just the nature of the work that I do as a writer and working in communications and social media. And so in order to recharge and feel refreshed and reconnected to God, that's usually me being around people. And it looks a little different than, you know, quiet time and, you know, candles and fuzzy blankets and all of that. And being able to really say, okay, 
The best way for me to continue to do the work that God has given me to do is to take the time to reconnect with Him. And that's really what rest is. And whenever I make God the focus of all of it, the work and the rest, then it's easier to not feel guilty about it because it's hard to feel guilty when you're like, no, I'm, I'm reconnecting with God right now. I don't, I can't feel guilty about that. Um, it's going to make me a better mom. It's going to make me um, more effective in my job. I'm going to be able to concentrate and pay attention and focus and be more creative and do the things that I need to go do. Tell me a little bit more about discovering how you've been built specifically. Because you said this is this is just the way I've been built. So how did you how did you decide that? How did you figure that out? A lot of trial and error. Honestly, it's you know for me it's been a lot like discovering your voice right as a writer. Um, so I've been blogging. Well, I haven't been blogging lately, but I've had a blog for over 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a lot of the the same process of, you know, the reason why I started writing was, you know, a very personal reason. It was basically this private journal that I just was keeping for myself. And then I was like, oh, maybe my family wants to know about it. And then I started following other blogs and other writers. And I was like, well, they seem successful writing like that. So maybe I should try it. Well, you don't adopt somebody else's voice. That's not really how that works. You just are replicating something that's already out there. And so realizing, okay, I tried that. It didn't work. I tried that. It didn't work. I tried that. It was kind of okay, but not quite. And so going through just taking the time to explore what what really works for you and spending time in the word and asking God to help you identify how he created you. You know, what are the things that bring you joy? What brings you energy? Um, Is it being around people or is it having quiet time? How do you feel most connected to God? And you do sometimes have to try different things. You know, it's if sitting in a quiet room and reading scripture early in the morning before your kids wake up is what you need to be able to start your day, then that's absolutely how God made you. And that is a beautiful thing. But if, you know, listening to scripture, you know, being read to you in your car on a podcast on the way between dropping your kids off and going to work is how you connect with God and how you get excited to hand over your agenda to God that day because you're filling your mind and your heart with scripture in the few moments of quiet that you have, then that's okay too. And, you know, it took a lot of realizing that a lot of the ways that I was trying to make rest work in my life was because I wanted the cute picture on Instagram or I wanted it to fit into a certain style or I wanted to be part of a specific group that was doing it a certain way. And none of it was really restful. It was actually very stressful for me um, trying to figure out how to make this work for everybody else, but it wasn't helping me. And, you know, once I kind of settled into, all right, so, you know, the way that our brains work, it's really kind of interesting. We talked a little bit before this about my husband being a teacher. And over the summer, nearly all three of the months that he's offered spent doing some kind of manual labor in the backyard. And, you know, our brains... What we do the majority of the time, if we use that creative side of our brain, then in order to rest, we kind of need to use the other side of our brain. And so for him, he's, 
you know, in a job that's very intellectual and he's teaching and he's pouring it into kids all the time. And so then over the summer, in order to rest, he is out there working with his hands. It is the opposite of what he would do in his day job. And so I had to start to look at, okay, what do I do, you know, for my work? And what would the opposite of that look like? If it's me sitting by myself in front of my computer writing and being very internal, then I think I need to balance that somehow. And what does that look like for me? Is it, you know, going on a, you know, road trip with my family or just going out to a park with my daughter and kicking a soccer ball around? Like, what are those things that help balance out my brain so that I can feel re-energized the next day? Yeah, I feel like that was so helpful to try and think about just the inverse of work. So what's work for you as a writer, as a mom? as a business owner, as a teacher, what's the inverse of that? That's going to be sort of what could possibly bring you rest. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And the way that you feel freedom from shame and guilt is while taking rest is you just simply choose it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. making sure it's that simple. <laughs> it's that simple. You choose it and you make it about connecting with God. It's not about napping or, you know, binging Netflix, which I do all of those things too. But, you know, really intentional rest, you know, should be something that helps us connect with God. Okay. So you had mentioned earlier that you kind of went through some trials to get to where you're at and to sort of discover this. So would you be able to tell me more just about overcoming those failures to get to where you're at? What that what that looked like for you? Sure. Yeah. So one of the things that I always knew I wanted to do was have a career. Like most girls had their wedding planned in their head. And I was like, no, nah, I don't, that's fine. Like, unfortunately I got married before Pinterest. So it wasn't a big deal, but I was like, yes, white dress, wedding, ceremony, rings. Cool. Got it. Check. You know, for me, it was, I knew I wanted some kind of career. That's sort of where work has always been a place that I felt like I could, feel valued and find worth, which that is going to be what kind of gets me in trouble here in this story in a little bit. But, you know, so after I graduated from college, I went to Villanova and I got a bachelor's in English and a master's in liberal studies. And then I moved home because it was much more affordable to live in a tiny town in Pennsylvania than near Philadelphia. And my husband and I were getting married and our families are here. And so I got a job at a bank, which is obviously where English majors, you know, with master's degrees start their careers. Of course. And, um, you know, as one does. But it was uh, it was an interesting experience. I was only a bank teller for like a year and they were and there was kind of a mutual understanding like, hey, you should not count money anymore. Numbers are not your thing. Um, and so a position in the marketing department opened up and I, I jumped on it. I was like, this sounds like fun. I had no marketing experience. And you know, it over the course of seven years in that position, everything I know about marketing and communications, I absolutely learned on that job. And it was, it was amazing. And at this point, I now know if I can uh, convince somebody to open up a checking account in 2008 during a financial recession, I can sell you just about anything. So um, I became really good at it. And I did, I climbed the corporate ladder and I was an assistant vice president before I turned 30. And I was involved in incredibly important meetings and some scary meetings when all of that was happening with the economy and, you know, just really making some pretty big decisions. 
And the thing that I wasn't doing was taking care of myself and listening to God because he was nudging me out of that position. And I was ignoring him because I really liked my title and I liked the responsibility and I liked feeling so needed and valued and that people were recognizing the work that I was doing. And over probably the last year that I was there, there were a lot of shifts and changes happening. It was uh, not the healthiest environment. I mean, we were working under a lot of pressure and a lot of stress for several years. And it wasn't something, you know, at that point I was, I had had my daughter and went back to work. And after that, things just weren't quite the same. And I felt like I was working with one foot you know, sort of in this new realm of motherhood, which I felt like I was failing at every five seconds. And the other foot in this career that I loved, but which I really felt was moving in a different direction. Why do you think that was that you felt like you were failing once you had your daughter? <laughs> well, it was more that, you know, I knew I knew how to do the job that I had at the bank. I had gotten to a point where I I knew I could do that. Motherhood was completely new. And it was honestly something I hadn't thought about much. I mean, I, she's our only, she, she will be our only. And, you know, God put it on our hearts that it was the, the right time for us to start a family, but I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't have, I have a twin sister, so I never had like little sisters or little brothers. I wasn't ever around babies. I didn't know what to do with babies. Like it took me probably a solid week of bringing her home from the hospital to stop being like, so who's going to come pick up this kid now? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I still am asking, you know, the baby, the babysitting's getting a little old. What's happening. Um, and when do I get paid for this? But no, it, it just, it was such a different thing for me. And such a bigger responsibility than anything I'd ever tried before, because I had typically avoided even trying anything I thought I could fail at. And so with motherhood, I was like, cool, there's no option. Like you make this work, even if you don't know what you're doing. Right. And so it was, it, it was a tension that I was feeling between not being called to, to stop working. Um, I wasn't feeling that, but attention to start refocusing my life and where I was putting my priorities because I couldn't keep straddling, you know, the old way of doing things before my daughter and then this new life with a baby at home. Right. And so the tension was there, the, the nudging from God to start looking for something else was there. And I just, kept thinking, it's fine. I can just keep pushing forward. I can keep doing this. I can make it all happen. And then I was fired from my job at the bank. And I was like, oh, I can't do it all. <laughs> like, I can't, I cannot keep doing this. And I literally like couldn't because I couldn't go back to that job. And it was a, it was a wake up call for me, but it was also me realizing now when I look back, cause it was a really hard time. And when you wrap your worth and your identity up in the work that you do and the title you have and how people recognize you for the tasks that you accomplish, when that's all taken away, it's a, it's really hard to figure out what comes next because everything that you built your identity on is gone. And that was where I realized that it had become such an idol for me, that role and that title specifically in the work that I was doing, that I had replaced 
my connection with God and who He says I am and my value and worth in Him with this role that could be taken away at any minute and was. And it also made me realize that there were things that I felt like I was being called to do now with the what I knew about marketing and communications. And I felt like there was something more I could do for God with it, but I wasn't willing to look for those opportunities because I was in my comfort zone over here and I wasn't willing to give it up. And so when I was fired, I had no choice but to say, all right, what what else is out there? How can I use these tools, these gifts that God's given me in a different way? And so that's sort of how he opened the door for ministry for me. Okay, that's an incredibly positive outlook on being let go. Did any of that surprise you? Like as a person, like, oh, wow, I'm a little bit stronger than I realized I was. It took, um, let's see, what year is it? Um, how long? <laughs> if you would, if you would have asked me these questions, um, five years ago, I wouldn't have had the same story. Uh, okay. God is so gracious to, um, allow us the time to heal. And it took time and it took counseling and it took, um, just some guidance from, people who are, have gone through it before to realize that, no, that wasn't the end of my story. That was something that God was using to push me to where he needed me to go next. And so it helped me. I really had to redefine success and failure because of it, because, you know, for me, failure was always, oh, you fail. And then that's it. That's done. Nobody wants you. Nobody can use you. you there's nothing left to contribute. And I've failed enough now, <laughs> even beyond that story, um, several times to be able to know that, you know, failure is an opportunity for us to take a fresh look at where we are. Uh, my daughter plays soccer and after their first game, they lost. And I heard one of the moms tell her daughter, listen, it's not a loss. It's an opportunity to learn. And I have started to view failure that way too, that, you know, it's not a stop sign. We get to view it as a stepping stone, right? So that was a season and that season came to an end and it didn't end the way I would have wanted it to, or in my time or the way that I would have pictured, but you can always learn something from it that you can take to the next thing. And as long as we are here, God has something for us to do. And so he's not done with me yet. So maybe that job was, or maybe that season was done, or maybe I had contributed all I had there, but that's not the end of what God has for me to do. Okay. So you mentioned that you were avoiding failure because that's just not something you personally would, would put yourself in that position to go through failure. Is that part of your personality or do you feel like that was just situational? You know, I don't think anybody chooses failure. Um, I think that what was holding me back wasn't necessarily that I would fail. That was definitely part of it. I don't feel that way anymore. I, I like to fail. Like I like to, um, <laughs> basically like fail cheaply. Like if I can try something, it's not going to cost me a lot of money. I'll try it and see what happens. Right. Sometimes it's a yes. Sometimes it's a no. But at that point, the only option was success. Like I needed to look good on the other side of it. And so I felt like by avoiding things that were hard or scary, or I might not be perfect at, or, um, maybe it would take me out of my comfort zone. You know, I missed opportunities to travel. I missed opportunities to apply for jobs or, um, you know, just interact with people in different ways or invest more deeply in things because I wasn't sure I could do it. And if I wasn't sure that I would be able to do it 100%, I just didn't do it at all. And 
the regrets from that are so much stronger than that fear of failure now for me that, you know, I don't want to miss the things that God has in those moments. So if it means that I'm going to look a little foolish, maybe it's because God had something else planned for that that came out as a success in a different way, then I'm willing to give it a shot, you know, and I think that just comes with experience and growing up a little bit and, you know, having your faith mature and being able to look and have those experiences where you can say, okay, well, I messed up, but God didn't leave. I messed up, but, you know, he still wants me and my family's still here and I still get to do this work that I love to do in a different way. So tell me about what you're doing right now. So I am an author and a speaker, and I also serve as the communications director for my church. And I do like marketing and sales for my mom's small business. And, you know, I spend five hours a week on a soccer field with my daughter. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's a lot. I do freelance editing, a few things. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is you do everything, <laughs> everything, <laughs> every day. <laughs> Just all the things, all the time. (laughs) Well, you seem to be doing it with so much peace. So what's something that you feel like is unique to you and to your lifestyle that you're doing that creates that margin for rest? I have learned to say no. And that seems so silly after saying all the things that I do. But learning how to say no, I think goes along with our culture's inability to honor rest for some reason. We really encourage people to say yes to things and learning how to say no no and to be gracious about it and to be um, understanding when others say no to me too has been a life changer for me to just be able to look and say, you know what, I know that I would like to do all the things, but I physically cannot. We are not meant to do all things. You know, I always think about the scripture that says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, right? But that doesn't mean we have to do all things. It's just the things that God gives us we can do because of him. And so leaning into those moments, you know, and saying, all right, God, is this a yes or a no? And if it's a no, trusting that he has somebody else in line for that, that it's going to be a blessing for them that I said no, because they get the chance to do it. And that's been a big difference maker for me to be able to then really the 800 things I do say yes to or have to do because somehow we have to have laundry done and all of that. Trust me, the thing I don't do well is anything in my house. But like (laughs) there are dishes everywhere. The laundry is a mess. I don't think I've unpacked from a trip this past weekend yet. It's fine. You know, being able to say no to things helps me really fully invest in the things that I do say yes to. So do you feel like you can say no more easily to the bigger things? Or is it easier to say no to the smaller things? I am pretty good at saying no to all the things, <laughs> depending okay. on the season. Um, I just, And that too is something that has just taken some time and practice. It took a season of saying yes to everything to realize that, oh, God was definitely leading me away from this. And now I know why, because that was terrible. That was a horrible experience. Or, you know, saying no to things. It just you, ha- I think you have to practice it. It's not something that comes easily, we all want to be asked and invited and included. And so when those opportunities come up, we want to say yes. And it's just been learning that not every yes is a yes for me. And, you know, I have now gotten to the point where if I get an email requesting me to speak somewhere or, you know, a request to be part of something and I kind of get an initial gut check that's like yes or no, you know, but taking the time, like just slowing down and not feeling like you have to respond right away and really processing those decisions with the people it's going to impact has been 
a way that I've been able to sort of practice getting to that point, being able to say yes and no. And then whether it's a yes to a small thing and a no to a big thing, there's a reason that God is saving that space for something else and just trusting that he knows what I need. That's a really great way of looking at it. I've never actually looked at it that way. There are trusted people in my life, you know, a very small inner circle of people who have come over to my house when it's an absolute train wreck, right? Not the people who see the pictures I just put on Instagram. I don't ask for their opinions about decisions that impact my family. I ask my family about the decisions that impact them. And I think surrounding yourself with those people and investing in those relationships, the in-person ones, to help make those decisions and run stuff by, especially if it's people who don't do what you do. Like nobody else in my life is a writer. They don't speak. So it's not anything where they're like, oh, you should say no, because I'm going to take that when you say no. It's no, we care about you and we love you. And we know that you are already saying yes to too many things. So let's talk through what this looks like. I think having that back and forth with some trusted, close friends is really important. Yeah, that is important. Okay, I was going to ask, what do you know what your husband's Enneagram is? Yes, he is... He goes back and forth between thinking he's a five or a six. <laughs> okay. So it's interesting. Like security, I, I think he's a six um, because security is like really, really important to him. Um, we weirdly balance each other out. It works, but yeah, it's like any other personality test, right? It's a way to kind of view how God created you and you can use it to be able to interpret and get to a healthier place if you start recognizing some of the things that, you know, push you to unhealthy spaces in your life. But we also all approach it very, very differently. Yeah. This is not something that, like, I'm an expert in at all, but I really wish that everybody in the world knew how to do, like, the Enneagram or some sort of personality test. And I would would love to just teach everybody I know about it. I understand that one of the reasons that Holy Hustle and the concept of this balance of work and rest and faith and action, why it's so important to me is because of how I view the world through that lens of, you know, being an achiever on the Enneagram, Mm -hmm. right? But I also know that the way that I wrote Holy Hustle, I have had friends who are sevens, right? Like that's the entertainer, right? Is that what what I am? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have had friends who are sevens be like, thank you so much for writing this book. It's like so nice for a seven to read this. It's short and it's to the point and it makes you think, but without getting, you know, I guess too emotional about Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) I think it's just coming to an understanding that regardless of our personality type, there's something that you know, we will find ourselves striving to do, right? Whether it's work or entertaining or finding security or whatever that is. And looking for ways to identify when we start to go in those places, like what are the things that send us there? And then also, what does it look like to just be in that sweet spot of, you know, just resting in that unhurried life, right? That just being in God's will and, and trusting him with all of those moments to how they're going to happen without us pushing to get there. Yeah. Um, okay. So right now in your life, what are you loving? Oh, I love this question. Um, listen, the pumpkin cold brew from Starbucks <laughs> is kind of my life right now. It's amazing. I honestly, I think it's the cream on top. It is. Also, it doesn't taste like a candle. 
yeah. pumpkin spice can get really candly for me. And so I like that it feels like fall, but it's not extra. Like it's not too much. <laughs> it's like, it's just a nice balance. Also the fact that it's cold enough here in Pennsylvania that the leaves are changing and I get to wear sweaters. I'm in my happy place. Well, that is, that pretty much sums it all up. Um, do you want to let us know where we can find out more from you? Absolutely. So you can learn more about Holy Hustle at holyhustlebook.com. That it will actually just direct you over to my website. And I spend most of my time on Instagram. So you can find me there at Crystal Stein. Didn't you just love how well-spoken Crystal was on so many issues that hit home? One thing that really opened my eyes was when she related rest to the inverse of what we do for work. This helped me get a better idea of some new things I could try to counterbalance my own rest time. With the new year basically here, Crystal and I wanted to do a small giveaway, so make sure to check out my Instagram at JimBrazil for details. You don't want to miss this. Also, go ahead and hit subscribe for the new year so you can start off with an unhurried life in 2020. 2020, it's here! Okay, until next week, I'll see you on Instagram.